Welcome to Neighbor Up Spotlight. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of our show is simple, to showcase citizens making positive contributions to their neighborhood and for their neighbors. My guests today are Lila Mills from Neighborhood Connections and Dawn Arrington, Education Program Coordinator for iDistream. Uh, how are you, ladies? Good. Thank you for joining us today. Today is our very first podcast. Thank you, Carol, for having us. Oh, well, listen, thank you for joining us. And we're going to make history and, and talk about great things and do great things. But first, let me give our audience some background. Miss Mills was born and raised on Cleveland's South Side. She has worked for Neighborhood Connections for five years. During this time, she's been the editor of the Neighborhood Voice, a community newspaper, and now serves as the communications manager for Neighborhood Connections. Miss Arrington has lived in the Buckeye neighborhood for 20 years. She is a member of the Neighborhood Connections grant-making committee and founding member of Bridging the Tracks, a resident group focused on building neighborhood pride. Thank you, ladies, for joining us today. Thank you. Well, Miss Mills, let's start with you. What is Neighborhood Connections? Neighborhood Connections is a small grants program founded in 2003. And the idea behind Neighborhood Connections is to be able to get away for the Cleveland Foundation to give some of its money to residents, groups of residents in Cleveland and East Cleveland, to make change in their own neighborhoods. That's very unique. So the Cleveland Foundation has been around for more than 100 years, and usually its grants are pretty large, and they're supporting some of our biggest institutions in Cleveland, museums, um, schools. And this was their opportunity to do something a little bit different and a little bit innovative at the time, which is to put money into the hands of actual residents of Cleveland. And they did that by forming a residence committee. Um, people wrote to, through, um, serving about three-year terms. Okay. And they read all the applications and make all the decisions on which groups receive funding. Okay. Well, I know the Neighborhood Connections. You have other initiatives that you're working on that deal with health and employment. Tell us about that. Sure. About four years ago, we launched something we call the Neighbor Up Network. And the idea behind that was at that time, Neighborhood Connections had funded thousands of projects across Cleveland and East Cleveland, um, put millions of dollars into the hands of residents doing good work in their neighborhoods. But we realized there was no way for those folks to come together. There was no space that existed for them to come together, network together, support each other's projects, um, maybe share resources on projects, and then even maybe work on bigger change projects um, that would affect not just their neighborhood, but the entire region. Um, and so we form this network and we host something we call Neighbor Up Network Nights at a variety of locations around the city. I know that you have them in the Buckeye neighborhood, Glenville neighborhood. Exactly. We host uh, monthly Neighbor Up Network Nights in Buckeye, Glenville. There's a large one in University Circle that draws folks from all across the city. Um, one launching soon on the west side, one that is recently launched in Mount Pleasant. Okay. Now, I know your health initiatives are involved in some very important issues. Could you talk to us about that? Absolutely. When we launched the network, um, right, really right away, people started to kind of talk with each other and, and, and recognize that there were some issues that together, collectively, they could address. One of those that jumped up right away was about jobs. People were saying, uh, I can't get a good paying job in close proximity to where I live. That led Neighborhood Connections to form a partnership with university hospitals and Towards Employment. Towards Employment is a nonprofit that does job training and helps people find jobs. And that um, partnership led to the formation of something called Step Up to UH. Okay. Step Up to UH is what we call a neighborhood jobs pipeline. UH really took a, took a leap and said that they would reserve a certain number of jobs every month for residents who live in certain Cleveland neighborhoods that surround the main campus of University Hospital. That's excellent. 
That means that if you go through Step Up to University Hospitals and you um, are applying for one of these jobs, you are competing against all the other people that are in the Step Up to University Hospitals program, which may be 20 or 25 people at a time, versus applying online and you're competing against the 12,000 people who also apply for jobs at university hospitals every month. That's excellent. That cuts down on people's anxiety, too, about applying for a job right. in and a sh- large institution. Absolutely. And yeah. I've heard people say, I've applied to university hospitals seven times. I hit submit on the online application, and within minutes, I'm getting an email, email back that says I didn't make the cut. Because in an automated program, that program is looking for certain words and looking for ways to kind of bump you out because they have right. so many applications to weed through. With Step to, Up to University Hospitals, the folks at Towards Employment do a great job of looking for ways to get you in, to get you prepped. There's interview prep. You are meeting with the recruiter from UH and then a manager with UH after you've already gone through all types of preparation. In going through your in, your information about that, I understand you've had well, quite a few successes in people getting hired. Absolutely. I'm not quite sure what the number is, but I want to say it's approaching 100 folks who have been hired oh, through um, Step Up to University Hospitals and the retention rate because people are f- really getting prepped really well. They understand what the jobs are. Mm-hmm. The retention rate is, is much higher than a traditional than a traditional person who would apply um, outside of the program. That's excellent. For the wealth of those out there who are looking for a job, you need to look at neighbor, to neighbor connections, step up to UH Hospital Program. And I did see something on your website that you've also connected with Cleveland Clinic as well, too. Well, Cleveland Clinic does a also does a neighborhood jobs pipeline. They do that with Fairfax Renaissance Development ah, Corporation. Okay. And their program is called um, Welcome to Fairfax. Okay. I might be wrong about that, but they host weekly sessions okay. at Fairfax Renaissance Development, which is um, the addresses on Quincy Avenue. Okay, and people can go to your website to find out information because exactly. that's how I found it. Exactly. Very Absolutely. good. Um, and also, too, let's talk about your health initiatives because you're doing some great work around infant mortality and, and the lead uh, yes. poisoning here in Ohio. So that comes back to this idea that if you give people the space to come together, they will begin to work on these kind of big change projects. Um So the health work has two components. There's lead poisoning and infant mortality. Lead poisoning is a big issue specifically in the Glenville neighborhood where um, it may be, is one in 20 or even even the number may even be lower, children are being poisoned by lead. It is really a health crisis. Then lead poisoning leads to learning disabilities and all types of health issues for our children. And the work that we're doing um, is connecting residents mm-hmm. with healthcare um, workers, so folks that are working at university hospitals and Cleveland Clinic, as well as a variety of other nonprofits, mm-hmm. with um, together in teams. And they're going out. Um, they're going to start doing this, I believe, um, in August, door to door, talking to people, raising awareness that this is an issue, providing options for folks um, to. Um, get their homes uh, lead-free. Which is a perfect segue for this question. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be any future partnering with the city of Cleveland and the housing inspection department? You know, Cleveland has extremely old housing stock. Exactly, which leads um, to one of these issues. Exactly. So it would be really great to have someone on board from the city of Cleveland and certainly from the housing inspecting department. There is some, I believe there is at least one person, maybe more, from the city of Cleveland that's involved in these le- in the team around mm-hmm. lead. I don't know what department he's from, but the city of Cleveland is definitely at the table in this work. Um, and then they're excited. And, and your work around infant mortality. 
Infomortality is a term that I didn't understand until um, some folks, particularly um, a woman, uh, Kristen Farmer, who lives in Glenville, kind of brought it to our attention, which is that babies are dying um, at astronomical rates in many Cleveland neighborhoods. Um, This work that we're doing is focused in Huff. Um, And... You know, there are a variety of reasons for that. It doesn't just mean that you're losing a baby, that you're miscarrying, which is what I thought right, it always right, meant. Right. It means that there are a variety of other ways in which babies are not celebrating their first birthday. Well, to be honest with you, I just tell, I had friends, they just uh, buried a baby last weekend. Mm. He lived 30 days. Mm. And another friend of mine, their baby just lived uh, eight hours. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, this just this just passed this past week. Right. And, and it's such a personal thing that a lot of times... We may mourn and, you know, if, if if you live 80 years, you have a funeral and there's a procession and it's right. kind of the way to say that publicly this is happening. But if your baby um, is eight hours old or 30 days old, right. it, it becomes kind of a smaller, kind of more intimate affair. And it's so painful to lose a child. Um, so a lot of folks don't know this is happening and they're kind of suffering personally in right. silence. So this work, um, much like the lead work, is is connecting residents with healthcare workers, and they are going out in the community, raising awareness about this, talking to people about ways to kind of um, address this. Mm-hmm. One of the issues has to do with chronic stress mm-hmm. um, that a lot of us are facing, and really kind of working um, in small ways to have a big impact on this kind of big issue that seems very overwhelming. Wow. Thank you. And now we're going to turn to Miss Harrington. How are you? I'm all right. That, that's <laughs> deep right there, Lila. Yes, it's, it really wow. is. Um, well, Miss Harrington, you are a grant maker. Could you tell us all about that? And what is grant making? Wow. Um, grant making, it's a in the traditional sense, when you, when you look at something like the Cleveland Foundation, it's this large organization that um, deals in, in the work of philanthropy, which is uh, providing... Um, Support, financial support to usually a nonprofit organization to, you know, affect change. And for myself and the other 23 members of the Neighborhood Connections Grant Making Committee, what we do is, is um, as Lila said, is, is we provide small grants to resident led or community driven initiatives. So the grants run from $500 to $5,000. Yeah, that's pretty good. For, it's for, a, it's a nice pretty good amount of money um, and um, and we know that that can mean the world to to someone you know uh, a small resident group you know a block club or right. or you know like in the case of my own mom you know she belongs to a knitting group and they want to knit hats for babies okay. so you know being able to buy supplies and and have those supplies and because yarn is not cheap um at least not good yarn. I learned this from my mother. <laughs> good yarn is not cheap. Um, <laughs> and you want babies, newborn babies, in really well-knitted hats that aren't going to make their skin break out. Yeah. Um, you know, th- those being able to make that type of impact right where people live is very important. And so uh, the grant making committee members, like I said, it, it's 24 of us. We're all volunteers. Uh, you were uh, oh, yeah, one I, of the I, grant I making it a committee great deal. members. Really uh, we were on uh, my first time on the grant making committee. We were on the same team together and I learned so much from you. Um, and then one of the bigger things that gets back to Lila's point about connecting resources is, is that we all have sort of this um 
understanding, deeper level of understanding that it's not just about the money. Right. Um, it's about um, also making sure that we're leaving people with more information than what they had when they walked in. So we enter, we read all of these proposals and then we turn around and we interview people. Um, and that's an, another huge difference between, say, the traditional philanthropic grant-making process and our process. Mm-hmm. We're reading these proposals, and then we're we're actually sitting down and meeting with people and asking them about their proposal and about what they want to do. And also, two people that you've granted money to, you get a chance to visit their yes. projects and see what yes. they're doing and see how that money is being put to use. And that invitation is always out there. Those are some of the, the more enthusiastic uh, groups, you know, when people... We're like, no, come on out. And, you know, I remember uh, just last year I was picking my I picked my kids up from from Cincinnati and we were on our way home. And I saw one of the grantees that I had on on the team that I was on. We had granted them money and I saw their sign sitting up there. I said, oh, that's today. So like, you know, and it was at the end of my street. So, you know, we we parked the car and we walked back down there with the kids and my kids are still, you know, trying to use the toothbrushes that they have from last <laughs> year. It's time for them to change the toothbrushes out, but they still have them. And, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, we got a chance to go on the bus and do the animal tour and go on the bouncy house. And so it's these... And, you know, and we didn't give them a whole lot of money, but we gave them enough to to make that impact for that day in people's lives. So, you know, the the enthusiastic invitation and, and our social calendars get very full, That's awesome. um, you know, going to visit the, the, the grantees. Well, speaking of which, uh, calendar, how many times a year are the grants given out? The grants are given out twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two deadlines. It's the we have one that's coming up, which is the second week, second Friday in August and the second Friday in February. If you miss one deadline, come back and, and do the next one. Now, people can download the information, too, and you do have classes to assist people Absolutely. With the grants, right? There are always uh, grant seeker um, uh, workshops. Uh, usually there are, um, we've made it a practice to have grant making committee members at the grant seeker okay. um, workshops just to be able to answer questions like, you know, for what we're looking for or, you know, you know, people sometimes get worried. Oh, I don't have this piece of information, or I don't have that piece of information. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. S- submit the application, and that's very true. And it can <laughs> even be handwritten. And, and we love, <laughs> yeah, because that's that's really grassroots ones. for real. Yeah, we it we love. I I am trying to remember. I don't know if you were on that particular group, but we did have a group where it, everything was handwritten, and they were doing like um they were doing. I, was it the um, woman who had the um she was working with heroin ad, heroin addicts on the I west believe side? So, yeah. yeah, her her grant was. Awesome. It was fabulous. It was fabulous. And, and it she was actually she got it in under the wire, I remember, and it was all handwritten. Yeah. It was very legible, but it was it was on point. Yeah. And, and I mean there, there are times where, you know, we're always pleasantly surprised by the people that come in. I mean, there was one time where a lady came in and she only asked for like seven hundred and fifty dollars and we looked at everything that she was doing and we're like, Come back <laughs> next year and ask us for, for more, more money. money. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Ask us for more more money, money. please. Like, really? This is all you want? Yes, you can have it all. Yeah, I think I I know you're talking about. It was the mother and daughter. 
broader team and they were doing No, it this was okay. a group another group on the west side and they were working with um patients who uh were transitioning from hospice care. Wow. Um uh HIV and AIDS patients who wound up doing exactly what we're looking for. These are people who have created their own community and they take care of each other and there's a lot of red tape just to be able to get a bus pass to go to your doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. And these were people who had transitioned from hospice care themselves and they're providing services like haircuts and and uh, bus rides and bus passes to people in their own community and they're trying to take care of each other and all they asked for was $750. Wow. Well, I can certainly tell you the first time that I saw uh, information about neighborhood connections, I had... Uh Oh, you know, I had to, I, well, let's say life gave me lemons and I made lemonade, lemon pie, lemon cookies, and lemon cake. And I was <laughs> living in Althwaite Housing Estates and I saw this newspaper, the neighbor, uh, Neighborhood Voice, and I saw in there about the neighborhood connections and the grant. I was like, wow. And then a couple of years later, I met Tom at a grassroots grant making idea at Idris Dream. And one thing led to a number that I saw him maybe like several months later and ended up a grant making member. And, and now here we are doing our maiden show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> people that you know get grants from neighborhood connections to do a lot of really great things it's this is really an awesome experience well ladies i want to thank my guests today miss lila mills communications manager for neighborhood connections excuse me and don errington neighborhood connections grant maker and education program coordinator for idea stream for being on our show today thank you for having us oh well thank you come back anytime we've got many more to go I would like to thank our listening audience for tuning in today. Please join us next month as we continue our conversation with residents who are making positive contributions to their neighborhood. If you have a great idea and want to do something positive for your neighborhood, contact Neighborhood Connections at 216-361-0042 or send us an email at www.neighborhoodgrants.org and like us on Facebook. Get informed. Get involved. Neighbor up. I'm Carol Malone. Thank you for joining me today on Neighbor Up Spotlight. Neighbor Up Spotlight is sponsored by Neighborhood Connections and the Cleveland Foundation in association with Bad Racket Recording Studios. Executive producer, creator, writer, host, Carol Malone, co-producer, Lila Mills, engineer and co-producer, Henry Rapp. Neighbor Up Cleveland, 